the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. I, can we just like... relaxing. I was oh, going to say. I, mean, you know, I could like drink a cup of coffee and just yeah, curl up with a book. mellow out. Yeah. <laughs> in front of a fireplace. I mean, we're in the, you know, we're into the, you know, Thanksgiving holiday, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And this is, uh, you know, our, our Thanksgiving show. So, right. you, you may be listening to this the weekend before Thanksgiving. Or you may be catching it on the weekend after Thanksgiving. Maybe while you're running around shopping. Um, and you can always catch it on podcasts, right. by the way, if you need to hear it more than twice. Right. right. But um, I'm, but we've got two uh, weeks of material to pack into one show. Karen. Okay. So I've got lots. So I'm we gonna need be, to get started. I need to start. I need to be talking fast. And if I'm talking too fast. Send me an email. Go to the website. Or no. you can just catch <laughs> next week's show and listen again or on the podcast. And, you know, so, I, again, I'm not going to let Nancy and Pelosi and Adam Schiff ruin my Thanksgiving dinner, Carrie. No. I, you know, I mean, I'm so bored with that whole thing. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say boring. The, I heard I did not watch the Democratic baits. They said all I saw was the headlines. I know where that they were the most I couldn't watch boring. it. I, mean, I Seriously, I tried watching it. They said they were boring and scripted. I saw consistent headlines. I mean, I'm glad I didn't waste my time. The ten of them. You might as well just throw them off. I, 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 you know. I tried. I honestly tried. I, I held in there for about an hour and a half. I couldn't handle the last half. Jeez. I had to go to a That's novel better than, yeah. um, and read a novel. I just, you know, but I mean, after this is like the fifth one. After five hours of two hour debates with the same group, they're not saying anything new. And I heard it was so scripted. All right. So anyways. All uh, right. So let's talk about what. So, so, so this is the estate planning team. And as I said, Carrie and I are the co-owners and we've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans. For over 34 years. And over those 34 years, we've worked with multiple generations, um, starting with the greatest generation, right? Mm-hmm. The um, Depression kids, my parents and your, uh, Carrie, uh, your parents. Then we worked our way into the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. That's where my parents are oh, Okay, at. so your parents are baby boomers. Yeah. Yeah. God, I thought they were, okay. Wow. Yeah, mine are baby boomers. Okay. They had, yeah. They, they're, they're senior baby boomers. Right. I, I'm, a fresh, I'm a freshman baby boomer. Okay, yeah. Um, but the, uh, so anyways, the, over those years, you know, over the 34 years, um, and you know, with the baby boomers generation coming on, Carrie, you know, age 65, right. You know, that amazing statistic, you know, right. that 10,000 baby boomers a day are turning age 65. 
Um, we have a lot of them are a lot of questions we've been getting about. Well, Mark, when do I have to go on Medicare, or when should I go on Medicare? Mm-hmm. Especially if you know you are still working, right? And right. Covered by an employer plan. Or people sometimes get age sixty-five confused with the full retirement or full Social Security benefits age. So, you know, the idea is, see, and and this is where you might not want to ask your neighbor what they did because it's not the same answer for everybody, right? Okay. Um, So you have to kind of, you know, customize it to your own circumstances. So, general, let's go over the general rules, Carrie. Um, All right. So most people know that your, your initial enrollment period, right, to going on Medicare is seven months. It's the three Mm -hmm. months before you the month you turn age 65, the month you turn age 65, or three months after the month you turn age 65. So right, that's so your it's initial a window. That's your initial seven, you know, uh, month initial period. And most people have heard or have some understanding that if you miss that and then sign up later, you're going to be penalized. Which is why I think people are worried about the timing of it. Right. And the penalties um, can be stiff. Okay, um, you'll be hit with a 10% increase in your Part B premium for every 12-month period you go without coverage. Okay. So, And that's forever, isn't it? They yes. lock it in? That's not mm-hmm. something they just penalize you one year. Got that right. Okay. Um, now, but so let's go beyond that a little bit. There are some exceptions where you will not be penalized if you don't sign up for Medicare at age 65 in that period. Be, if That's if you are covered by your employer plan or perhaps your spouse's employer plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you are still working or married to somebody who's still working and you're covered by an employer plan, you might not need to have to sign up for Medicare. But we, sometimes I go, Mark, I was told I have to, you know, even if I'm on an employer plan or that I should do it. Um, well, you know, this is where it it may depend on the circumstances. So remember, Carrie, you know, Medicare A, right, which is the major hospitalization, there is no premium for that. Right. What people want to avoid if they're covered by an employer plan is the Medicare B, which has the a doctors, premium. The doctor's visits, labs, yeah. right. And there's a monthly premium for that, right? So they say, well, why should I have to pay for Medicare if I'm, I've, I've got a good plan through an employer? And that's why you don't have to. Um, but a lot of times the idea of people say, well, I'll sign up for A because it doesn't cost me anything premium wise anyways. Right. And it acts as a secondary insurance to my right. primary insurance. OK, um, but it doesn't necessarily you have to now. But I've heard, you know, some over the years we've had some, you know, people say, well, Mark, my employer is saying I have to. So who's right? Who's wrong? Both. Okay. Depends, depends on your employer. Because if your company employs 20 or more individuals, then you don't have to enroll in Medicare upon turning 65. But if it's a small company with fewer than 20 people, then you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the, that's getting into the weeds. That's why it's not the same answer for everybody or why you hear different answers for that. Okay. Um, so then it's the idea of saying, okay, well, why else would I want to or not want to? Well, another reason why you, you know, you might not want to, okay, is if you still plan on, if, in other words, if you're in a high deductible plan, carry, and you still plan on contributing to health savings accounts, mm-hmm. okay? 
Because one of the rules about contributing to health savings accounts is the fact that you can't do that if you're on Medicare. Okay. Including if that's Medicare A. All right. Um, so, so for that reason alone, some people say, well, if I'm covered by an employer plan anyways, and I want to contribute to a health savings account as long as I can, then I don't even want to sign up for Medicare A. Okay. Even though I could still, you know, defer Medicare B. And then you say, well, well, then how much time then? So, so then the question, the next, ob, uh, you know, obvious question is, well, Mark, when then when do I when in that circumstance, when do I have to sign up for Medicare? Right. So now you're in a different a special window period, Carrie. Right. So if you so now at the point that you are no longer covered by the employer plan, right? You now have an eight month window to sign. Okay. Up, okay. Um, but if you then fail to uh, sign up in that eight month period, you're back to those steep penalties. Okay. So that's you know that's kind of the, a general rule, and you know you plan accordingly. Um, you know, and 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 kind of do that now. Are, why why do we like HSAs, Carrie? Um, tax free, tax free. <laughs> there you go. The triple tax benefit, right? Right. Um, okay. So, what do we mean by that? you know? Because it, it, you know, H health savings accounts. Uh, you know, again, you have to be um, you know in a, in a, a high deductible health in- insurance plan, right? So, what defines that? Well, for twenty twenty. Um, an HSA eligible health insurance policy is one with an annual deductible of at least one thousand four hundred if you're individual coverage or twenty eight hundred for family coverage. Okay. Okay. Um, and how much can you contribute? Um, well, you know, again, it depends somewhat on your age. But for twenty nineteen, for example, uh, for uh, individual policy that was thirty five hundred, um, and for family coverage it was seven thousand. But now there's a catch-up. So if you're uh, over age 55, now remember, Carrie, that's age 55. It's not the same right. catch-up rule for our, you know company retirement plans and IRAs, which is age right. 50. For some reason, the HSA is age 55. You know, don't get me started. Okay. You know, I remember, I always say I'm not here to defend the logic, fairness, or simplicity of our U.S. tax code. Okay. You know, just talking about the rules. Okay. So, but if you're over 55, you know, on the HSA, you can contribute an additional 1,000. Okay. Now, those are going up slightly in 2020. So for 2020, the contribution limits are $3,550 um, for a single plan plus 1000 for 55 catch-up. Or on the family plan, 7100 plus if you're over 55, you can do the additional 1000 8100 mm-hmm. Now, we, remember, sometimes your company is throwing in some dollars for you as a kick-in, right? Mm-hmm. That counts towards that overall contribution. Okay. okay. Um, here's another. Also, you got to pay, pay attention. Yeah. Another. Here's another thing to remember too. You have up until April fifteenth to fund that. So this is one of those things like your IRA contribution, right? right? Now, th- now see, this is what a lot of people don't understand. You know that they say because normally they think, well, I thought it had to be done by payroll deduction, right? Meaning that if I I have to do it by December thirty first through payroll deduction. No, technically, um, and you can check with your you know HSA custodian. But you should be able to just send them a check if you want. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be through payroll deduction. Okay. So you check with them, and then, you, like I said, you would have until the April 15th to do that. So, again, the triple tax benefit, well, one, obviously, you know, contributions are pre-tax. 
Okay, so like a tax-deductible IRA or a traditional 401k, you're lowering your tax liability when you're making contributions, right? Two, when the, the, the funds inside the HSA can grow tax-free. In other words, you get, you get that benefit of that tax-deferred compounding growth, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you don't have to leave it in cash, by the way. <laughs> you can okay. invest in options. You know, talk to your custodian on that, all right? Um, and then, of course, the third tax, you know, benefit, they, you know, if you use it for qualified medical expenses, the distribution comes out tax free, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the best of like a Roth IRA. So you have the best of both, you know, and, and so that's why we like them. Um, now we do get some questions about, well, Mark, what can I use the HSA for? You know, what is that qualified medical expense? Well, it's pretty liberal, Carrie, but I mean, a lot of times the confusion is over what type of insurance premiums can I use? So, so generally, you know, right. that you can't use HSAs to pay for health insurance premiums, right? right? Um, but there is an exception for COBRA, you know, so mm-hmm. if you're on COBRA, you can use your HSA to pay COBRA premiums. Um, and, you know, in retirement, you can use your HSA to pay for those Medicare B premiums and or Medicare D, you know, the prescription drug plan, if you're choosing that. Or if you're on a Medicare Advantage plan, you know, Carrie, remember we, we've been talking right. about, you know, this open enrollment period right now. By the way, you know, the Medicare open enrollment period ends December 7th. Coming up. Coming up. Now, uh, now the Obamacare healthcare exchanges, um, that open enrollment ends December 15th. Um, so, you know, plan accordingly. But so, so yes, you can use your HSA to pay for a Medicare B, Medicare D premiums, or a Medicare Advantage plan if that has a premium. What you cannot use your HSA, for example, to pay for is the Medicare supplemental plans, right? You know, if you're going with one of the Medigap plans, that you can't. Again, don't ask me to defend the, the, right. the logic of that. But um, anyways, just, you know, following the rules. Um there's also, you know, we've also seen that Congress has been sometimes they sweeten the pot about what is considered, you know, a a, a, a deduct or a qualified medical expense. Carrie. Right. So there's a few things floating around in Congress right now. I think it's passed the House, but I'm not sure if it's passed the Senate yet. But um, so what are some of the things like one? Um, OK, it's, it's allowing HSAs uh, to reimburse the cost of menstrual products and over the counter drugs. OK. Um, another one is letting uh, the, the, the plans cover the cost of inhalers with no deductible, okay, okay. Uh, which is part of the high deductible right. plan thing. Okay. Um, and the third one is uh, permitting individuals with subscriptions for access to primary care to remain eligible to fund an HSA. So, again, so now the real big thing that a lot of people are waiting for, which the Republicans have proposed, but they don't want to vote to pass it yet, is really you know, increasing the contribution limits. Right. Remember the last few, you know, presidential elections, the Republican candidate has called for, you know, plans that double them or triple them, you know, really making health savings account. Well, because health care costs are going up substantially. So that would give people a benefit. I don't know why that wouldn't pass. Yeah, I don't know either, um, but the Democrats are just not that interested because they're not interested in health savings accounts. They're interested in, you know, Medicare for all. Um, All right, Carrie, let's go. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. And we are here every Saturday morning on 1420 a.m. between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program um, for people who 
or we give people helpful information, whether you're working or already in retirement and all the issues um, that you may face, as well as financial disruptors, using opportunities that exist in this complicated tax code and knowing what you can afford to spend or what steps you should take to create future tax-efficient income. Remember, we build custom financial plans and coordinate with your advisors. We do not manage our clients' assets. Um, We don't do the investments. Either our clients do the investments on their own or we work with their existing investment advisor. We do look at our clients' assets in terms of risk, growth, and tax efficiency. And are they taking on an appropriate amount of risk or not enough? Or are they taking on more risk than they need to to be okay? And And making that coordinated effort to make sure the assets match the plan with that investment advisor. And we offer a free, no obligation consultation for people either by phone or in person, especially as we start getting the holidays or the winter. Sometimes people want to look at these issues, just don't have time or with weather permitting, don't want to drive in uh, this Ohio weather. Hopefully we won't get hit till later this year. Um, But we offer the free consultation really for you to see how our process is very different um, than what you're hearing out there and also um, how we can help you or what value and benefit. We have hourly and retainer options as well. You can give us a call if you'd like to take advantage of a consultation. We're scheduling consultations between now uh, and the end of January. And we already have people getting on the uh, January schedule and starting out off the new year right. Our home office is in Middleburg Heights. We have offices around the greater Cleveland area. We are also A-rated and accredited members of the Better Business Bureau. And we've been Super Service Award winners multiple years through Angie's List. So if you want to take advantage of a consultation, call our office. We'll give you a call back at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or if you go to the website, financialfoodforthought.com, Hopefully soon, um, I'll have the 2020 planning classes scheduled. You can sign up for our newsletters, which will have updates as, as they come about. As And we'll also keep you posted on the classes. You can contact us for a consultation, or you can listen to previous shows on our podcast. And that's financialfoodforthought.com. All right. A couple of things about HSAs. Um, the... Um You, you can you can be creative with them too, Carrie. In other words, mm-hmm. one of the things that people don't always understand is that you can save up your receipts. Okay, so let's say you're in a position where you're funding an HSA account, but you've got some out-of-pocket medical expenses that would normally qualify for a, a qualified distribution, right? Mm-hmm. But you have enough cash on hand to do it, and you don't want to use it. You want to save it. Okay. Save your receipts. Right. Um, because you can store those up and use them in later years if you wanted to take money out of the HSA and you can, you know, to cover previous year's medical expenses. Now, again, there's a couple rules there. One one of the, you, you know, uh, qualifiers is that you, you, it, as long as you didn't deduct it, those medical expenses in the earlier years on Schedule A, itemized mm-hmm. deductions, right? But under the new law, very few people are even filing Schedule A anymore, right. especially this year with the threshold for medical is going up to be 10% of adjusted gross and, income from 7.5%. So even fewer people are going to be writing right. off medical expenses Which, on Schedule A. I don't know why that didn't go anywhere. I know Susan Collins proposed that it keeping 7.5% 
permanent in January of this year, and I think it just kind of got forgotten about, which I know it's a smaller percentage of people, but people who have high medical expenses, people who are in nursing homes that can... you know, our families. Well, I, Karen, I, the person, the people in nursing homes are going to get over the 10% anyways. Right. But I'm just saying that little bit, people who have other expenses, whether it be prescriptions or doctors or other out of pocket. Right. So, yeah, I don't know because they had to pay for, right. they had to pay for the tax cut, cut, cut jobs act. That's basically because they had to keep under the 1.5 trillion over 10 years. I mean, that's, okay. that's why. Um, now, um, but the, so back to the HSA, right? So, if if you're so if you're not deducting medical expenses anyway, save the receipts because now in a later year you could take out and even if you even if in a later year you weren't going to use the money in a qualified medical expense deduction, you could still take it out of the HSA because you've got the back, you know, receipts that, that they're using it for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it, uh, so in other words, your HSA can kind of be a backdoor cash reserve. Okay. Okay, that you can get your hands on money um, without any taxes. If you have an emergency. Now, some people, that's the way they plan it, Carrie. In other words, they don't, you know, no one's planning that they're going to have a big medical, you know, expense year. But a lot of people, what they do is they, when they're funding their HSA, they're leaving enough in the cash, you know, that they're not investing in the long term, right? They're leaving enough in cash maybe to cover one year's deductibles in case they have a bad year. Right. Okay. And that, so that's the kind of idea of, you know, building up, uh, you know, kind of a cash reserve. Um, all right. So what else is going on? Um, we had, So last week I was talking about the IRMA adjustments, right, mm-hmm. for Medicare. And, um, you know, we, we should all, or, you know, if you're, if you're on Medicare, and you know, and if you're you know on Social Security, you should be getting soon your new Social Security benefit statements, Carrie. Right? That mm-hmm. will also tell you what your new Medicare premiums on. Okay. If you're on Medicare and not collecting Social Security yet, you know you'll be getting the the Medicare notice. So keep an eye out for that, right? Right. Um, because that's an important document, and you know you want to hang on to that. And and we recommend to our clients just keep that right in within your tax records, right? Because that's usually the first place that you're going to go to if you need to get your hands on mm-hmm. that. Um, and you know, be aware that you know there's been some changes this year, right? Okay, um, with the these thresholds and these IRMA thresholds, you know, the income related monthly adjustment amount. So if you're not familiar, go back and catch our previous shows or the idea that how much you pay for Medicare B and or Medicare D, if you are electing that, is progressively weighted to how much income that you have. So the higher income you have, the higher you pay. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's multiple tiers. Right. Um, so you got it. So that's where it comes into some of the, our, our year end planning, which I'm going to do a case study today that kind of, you know, deals with that subject. But so anyways, we, you know, we now also have gotten what the Medicare D, you know, the, the government's prescription drug plan, what their IRMA adjustments are going to be, you know, starting uh, next year. All right. And, you know, they're, they're up as well, Carrie. Um, so, uh, for example, you know, um, now it's hard, you know, if you do go on a prescription drug plan, it's hard to say what your premium is going to be because all the plans are different. 
Okay, it, because you know, um, you know, Part D, what it's going to cost. Well, it, you know, one plan might offer coverage for a particular drug carry that another plan omits. Um, you know, some plans put drugs into categories, some of which have higher copayments than others. Okay, um, plans can require using certain pharmacy benefit management companies to fill prescriptions. Okay, um, so there's a lot of variability. That's why it's hard to say. You know, don't ask your neighbor what their Medicare D premium is because it might not be yours. Right. Okay. Um, but if again the the Irma adjustments are the same for everybody. Uh, in other words, so after your base premium cost, the Irma adjustments is what you add on to that because of your you've gone over an income threshold. All right. So for example, um, you know the the base. You know if you're over the first threshold. Okay. Now remember the thresholds went up below this year. You know, right. so previous and- years single was eighty five thousand. That's up to eighty seven thousand. The previous year of married filing jointly was 170000 It's up to 174000 So okay. these are hard thresholds through, meaning if you're a dollar over, you're paying higher. Right. And we're going to come back. Yeah, okay. that's a good point um, to remind people. About. All right. So the first IRMA adjustment for Medicare D is $12.20. The next one is $31.50. The third tier is $50.70. This is an additional a month for your Medicare D premium. Um, the next threshold, you know, is $70, okay? Uh, and then the highest threshold is $76.40, okay? Um, but keep remember that $70 one, Carrie, because okay. now, again, if you're married filing jointly to get that additional $70 Medicare premium, you have to be making between, you know, over 326000 of modified adjusted gross income. Mm-hmm. That's not a whole lot of people that are there. Right. right. If you're single, it's 163000 but my case study, we'll come back to that. All right. Now, all right. So, you know, you, you keep an eye on those. And, and so, we're, we're, again, we're starting to get our picture together about, you know, what is happening under the new rules. You know, we're getting the new tax thresholds. We're getting the new tax tables. Another one, you know, we've already been notified that, you know, your Social Security increase is going to be 1.6%, right? And we know that back to Medicare B, that's going up about 6.7%. Okay, it's going from the base case Medicare B, you know, which in 2019 was $135.50, you know, starting in 2020, that's going to $144.60, okay? About a 6.7% increase. So I can already hear people screaming, Carrie. They're saying, well, wait a second, Mark. You're saying that my Medicare premium is going up 6.7%, but yet my Social Security benefits only going up one6 That doesn't sound too good. Right, because um, it sounds like I'm going to be getting less. <laughs> I may be getting less and take home Social Security than what I was. Right, but probably not. Um, but if you are, you may be protected under the hold harmless laws, right? right Carrie? Which is a, a which is the laws in the book that says you know they can't raise your they can't you know reduce your net Social Security check as long as you meet one of the hold harmless right. um, exceptions. You know, and one of them is being, though, you have to be having your Medicare deducted from Social Security. So if you're in the camp where you're not on Social Security yet, right, you're deferring, but you're on Medicare, you're not held by the whole harmless. What about people who have Medicare and you're paying it because they're getting a pension and not Social Security? They don't get under social, but they're in right. Medicare. Right, if, if it's not being deducted from Social Security, yeah. Then you're not. You're if you're, ex- right, if if it's brand new, if this is the, if 2020 is going to be your first year on Medicare, you're not out. Right, you don't have hold harmless. If you're in one of those higher thresholds, 
the higher tiers, you're not protected right. by the old harmless, right? So, but a lot of people, but you might, but you might not even be, be uh, like a lot of people won't be affected by the whole arms. Anyway, let me give you an example, Carrie. So let's say, let's say normally, let's say you're collecting $1,500 um, a month in okay. Social Security. Well, let me, let me, well, yeah, okay. So, um, you know, if you're normally collecting $1,500 a month, the 1.6% increase, the COLA adjustment is you're going to get an extra 24 bucks a month. Okay. Okay. Um, but your Medicare premium is going from 140 from 135.50 to 144.60. That's a $9.10 increase. Okay. So you're still positive because your Social Security COLA is 24 and your Medicare increase is 9, so you're still positive. So you're you know, it's you the hold harmless only comes in if that's a negative number in the end. In other words, if your your net Social Security right. increase is, is less than the main. So so the, it probably won't affect too many people this year because even at 1.6%, that's still going to probably keep their monthly uh, increase in Social Security greater than a $9 increase in Medicare B. Um, so, you know, the, so but in either case, the, you know, a lot of times what we talk to our clients about is, um, you know, if, you, you know, you, um, you know, if there's a way that you can challenge, okay, the increase in Medicare for valid reasons, okay? And there are specific valid reasons, right. not just because you don't think it's fair. Right. And, and like, for example, they're not going to take, see, see, when Medicare determines what your premiums are, they don't take your word for it how much your income was. No, they're looking at your tax return. Right. They go right to the IRS, and the IRS provides them with your tax return. That's why your 2018 tax return is going to determine your 2020 right. Medicare premiums. Yeah, it's a two-year window, and because it, they have to know exactly... They, they want proof. They have to know right now what to start charging you in January. And they base it off your tax return. Right, because obviously your 2020 tax return isn't filed yet. Right. Your 2019 your tax return isn't filed yet. So by default, they have right. to go back to 2018. All right. Um, now, um, so, you know, but there are certain exceptions to the, to, right. you know, so that you could get out of it. One of them is what we call life-changing events. Okay. Um and this is where, for example, you know, you were married or got married or divorced or became widowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. That may affect. That changes. Especially you know, if you're joint, single, the thresholds okay. changed um, quite a bit. You, you know, uh, you know, another one that most of our, you know, we always work with our clients is if you retired, you know, if yeah. you or your spouse stopped working or even not even retired, just reduced work. You know, the, 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 the scale down on right. core career, right? The scale down retirement. Okay. Then you could say, well, no, my income is going to be lower because I was working full time two years ago. Right. I'm not now, right? Um, another one is you or your spouse um, lost income producing property due to a disaster or other event beyond your control. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, you know, the, uh, the hurricane, right? Right. Um, okay. Another. Uh, life-changing event, which gets a you know basically an exception, is if you or your spouse experience cessation, termination, or reorganization of an employer's pension plan. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, another one, for example, is you or your spouse received a settlement from an employer or former employer because of the employer's closure, bankruptcy, or reorganization. So some of these, you know, life-changing events will get you the appeal, right? Right. Um, so how do you appeal? Um, or how, when do you, well, here's the point, you know, you've got 60 days, okay, from the date you receive the letter that's saying your premiums are, you're going up by the Irma adjustment. Okay. Okay. Um, that's why I'm saying keep an eye out on your mail for the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, now what does the, what do the government assume? Well, it assumes that you get the date is five days after the date of the letter. Right. So don't say, oh, I never got it. Probably not going to. Okay. Now, Mark, are you going to talk about or capital gains? Because sometimes we've had people say, well, I had a huge capital gains I wasn't expecting because maybe the company was merger or some other reason or just things went well. But I I sold a real estate position. And I usually don't get these capital gains. That's usually not a reason for them to reconsider. No, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a green light exception. Okay, but we'll talk a little bit about the different ones. So, so the first we're talking about, you know, life changing events, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, so now, how do you get the form? Well, there's a form, of course, right? So you can call Social Security. It's one eight hundred seven seven two one two one three. Right. Good luck. Um, and again, <laughs> get in line, right? Um, you could go online, I'm sure, and get the forms. All right. And you're looking for form SSA dash forty four. Okay. And that's an appeal form where they'll list out these life changing events and, you know, you can check one off or what have you. Um, But, you know, uh, now a lot of people say, Mark, can I do that over the phone? And no, I don't believe you can actually submit an appeal over the phone. Right. Okay. Um, Now, you know, some people say, well, can I go to my Social Security office and do it? I'm not sure. You know, that's not, you know, certainly if you go to your local Social Security office, you'll be able to get the forms. Right. um, And maybe get some, you know, general knowledge. I don't know if they'll do the appeal for you there right now. Right. Because a lot of times you have to come up with proof. You know, if you're saying I'm no longer working, they want a third party confirmation from your employer. If you're divorced or your husband passed away or your wife, they're going to want documentation of that. Now, but let's say, we'll say, well, Mark, do I have any relief? If I don't meet one of those life-changing events, am I done? Well, no, there's a second form, okay, and it's called for request for reconsideration. Okay. And this is where you would be a more, you know, you know, substance over form. You know, what was your specific circumstance? Okay, so this is form SSA561-U2. Hmm. Yeah, Bono and, and his boys are reviewing all those. Okay. Okay. That's their encore career. Um, <laughs> so what am I talking about? The request? What are, I still don't know what I'm that looking form? for here, Carrie. The oh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so what are some of the exceptions All right. under a reconsideration? Okay. Well, for example, this has come up uh, if you filed an amended tax return for the year that they were planning on using. Okay. So we right now we have two clients this year that are waiting for this. Right. Because one of them filed, you know, had to file amended return because- they originally filed separately and then realized because of these rules, they wanted to file jointly, mm-hmm. which are my case study is going to be about. And a second one's going to ha- file a meta return because the CPA missed the qualified charitable distribution that they made. Which we did mention in the previous last couple of weeks shows where we've had a few clients this year miss the, you know, right. QCD because of the 1099s don't specify that. Right. So, you know, so if you file an amended return, you want to make sure that they're using your amended return. Okay. Not the original return as filed. 
All right. Um, now, uh, another would be an IRS error. You know, if, if you can prove that IRS made a mistake somehow, right. they, they sent John Smith's uh, return, but it wasn't the right John Smith, whatever. OK. OK. Um, a third one is, you know, if the IRS provided, you know, Social Security Administration with older data and you want newer information, that's where okay. you're maybe a substance over form. Um, another one is if you filed as married filing separately, but you lived apart from your spouse all year. So that, you know, could be okay. a, a different rule. Um, so anyway, so there are, you know, but they're less green lighted as as the life changing events. Right. Now, the one you were talking about where you're saying, well, you may the, the, the taxpayer made a claim that the two years ago they had a large capital gain. Right. That was not going to reoccur in the current year. Right. Mm, that's the iffy. And we've had people try. We, I mean, it doesn't hurt and they've got denied. And I, in one case, she was successful. So it depends. It, yeah. So you, you know. I mean, I, I guess the worst case, at least try. It never hurts to ask. Right. Um, you know, and kind of go from there. All right. And those are things that we look at. And I know we're looking right now at year and planning issues. And actually, we're getting close to time because of drop dead dates or time to do the analysis and then implement year and planning, whether it's the IRA. Um, distribution, making sure your safe harbors are cut, Roth conversions and other issues to make sure that not only you're taking advantage of all the opportunities and watching the Medicare thresholds and all these things putting together. And that's just an example of what we do with the estate planning team. You can still schedule a free consultation. Um, it only takes about an hour, hour and a half of your time. And you'll see how our process is different. And we'll let you know whether or not we can help you. We've been around more than 34 years in the greater Cleveland area. You can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the case study. Um, so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, year-end planning. You know, we're very active planners at the estate planning team. And one of the things right now is, we, we're, you know, this time of year, we, we talk a lot about what year-end planning that we may be helping our clients with, right? And it, it's the idea that you, you, you want to know, make sure, you know, for example, you don't miss a required minimum distribution or that you've got enough taxes paid in to cover one of your estimated tax payment safe harbors and things like that. But it's also sometimes, too, saying, you know, well, we don't even look not only what's happening this year, but a good planning modeling, good financial modeling looks out a few years, Carrie, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's taking a longer approach because, you know, that's where we use the benefit of robots and, you know, modeling programs that can project out in the future to help us make decisions we need to make today, right? Because um, it's hard to keep that type of, you know, information in your head. So we need the benefit of robots to kind of help us keep track of that. Um, but sometimes the robots may forget to ask you the questions that they should be asking. Mm-hmm. They're not quite smart enough to do that yet. Right. They will be someday, Carrie. We'll all oh, be I'm replaced. Sure. Um, we'll all be replaced by robots. I'm glad you don't talk about that too much because that's just not a good thought. Uh, it's, it's, it may be replaced. true, but it's just not. Now, um, all right, so... This was a case, and this was interesting. So this was back a couple years ago. You know, so we were working with our clients in the year 2018. Again, remember, 2018 was the first year of the new tax law, right? 
So a lot of people were confused. We were very busy in 2018 explaining to people what was going to happen to them, you know, not their neighbors, what was going to happen to them under the new tax law. Now, this particular couple, Carrie, they were retired, all right, um, mm-hmm. and but they weren't on Medicare yet. As a matter okay. of fact, they were scheduled to be on Medicare in 2020. Okay, okay. remember, this is 2018. So when they came in for their year-end planning, we already knew that that was going to be a topic we were going to discuss with them. Because we're saying, you know, because what their plan up to that point was is that they were um, filing separately because they had a CPA. She did a great job every year of running jointly and separately. And separately, it was saving them about 1200 bucks a year. Okay. Now, it wasn't a federal tax savings. And a lot of times it's not. It was right. an Ohio tax savings. So that's what's unique about Ohio, you know, is that filing separate sometimes can save you some, you know, that's serious coinage there, Gary. $1,200, right? yeah. All right. Um, now, so um, so that's what they were typically doing. Now, the other strategy that they were implementing is they were doing a, 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 a planned Roth conversion. You know, okay. over, you know, and what their target was their idea. You know, remember, this is after a long planning process, but what their, their idea was they wanted to get all their IRAs out of IRAs by their joint life expectancy, which is about age 89, 90 for them. Okay. Now that doesn't mean they spent it all. No. It means they spent a lot of it. Right. But some of it to be converted over to Roth IRA. Right. And then especially if you think tax rates are going to go up in the future, right. this is was important strategy to use. And knowing that they are, in their case, if they didn't spend it all and they died leaving, they would rather leave a Roth IRA to their children, right. which is tax-free to them, than a taxable IRA to their which children. Which is another reason why we like Roth, tax-free income and tax-free passage. Okay. So um, so, so they were, and, and typically that target distribution was about $20,000 a year. Okay, so that would, you know, keep them at a pace with that by the time they got to age 90, you know, based on their, you know, we work with their investment advisor and what rate of return they're using for the IRA and all that good stuff that it would keep them. And it would also, you know, because he had a much higher IRA than hers, we decided to start on his because his was was going to be the larger required minimum distribution right. that they didn't want to get trapped by later on. Okay, so that so for the years coming up that prior to the 2018, they were doing that. They were doing the twenty thousand dollar Roth conversion out of his IRA. So, you know, so now they come in for the year in planning. And by that time, their CPA had already provided to them a pro forma for that year, 2018. Okay, And sure enough, the the CPA said, you know, recommended that they file separate again. Um, because under the pro forma, it was going to save about $1,300 in Ohio taxes. Okay. Right. Um, but this is where, you know, we started, but what we were concerned about. Okay. Because what we were, when we were looking at the pro forma, what we saw was that under the separate filing, his adjusted gross income was coming out, you know, to be about uh, $88,000. And hers was coming out to be about $75,000. Which puts him, when you were talking earlier about the Medicare B thresholds. Right. Now, at the time in 2018, we thought they would be 85000 for the year 2010. And that was the law back right. in 2018. So we were saying, uh-oh, you're over. Now, but on a married jointly, they're still under the one seventy. 
because they would be coming in at 163,000. Right, but separately. But separately, one, he was over. She wasn't. Okay. And Mary filing separately jumps up by the $70,000 increase. We'll get to that. Okay. Now, the other thing, though, remember, you, you're not done with adjusted gross income. That Medicare threshold is based on modified adjusted gross income. So you have to add to that, okay, your tax-exempt interest. Okay. Um, so in this case, they had about $3,000 of tax muni interest. The, the, the CPA was splitting it evenly on the returns. Okay. Okay. Um, so now under the MAGI, he was coming in at 89500 She was coming in at 76500 She's under this. So, yeah, when you're married filing separate, you if either one is over that 85000 you get hit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's even a steeper penalty. Right. So this is where, um, you know, you get into the difference between, you know, married filing separately versus married filing jointly when it comes to these Medicare thresholds. Right. Because normally, Carrie, there's what, you know, f- uh, five six. tier, right? One, two, three, four, five. There's six, six tiers. Six tiers, right. Okay. And, you know, but if you're married filing separately, there's only three tiers. And the difference between the first one and second it skips three tiers. <laughs> See, so it, th- it's a real stiff penalty. So your premium and for 2019 would either be 135050 or $135.50 if you're under 85. And if you're a dollar over... It's four hundred and thirty three dollars and forty cents. Right. So you see the problem that we knew was coming. All right. And actually, now we know, you know, uh, how much it was because we now have the 2020 rates, Carrie. Right. Mm -hmm. So what you just gave was the 2019. 2019. Now, remember, this is where that two year window comes into play. Right. Um, So, you know, looking at that. all right, so here's – and they also were going to use Medicare D, all right? So now this was the change, you know, just because he's over, just one of them over, right? You know, under the 2020 rates, the, you're, instead of having $144.60 a month Medicare B premium, it jumps three tiers for being $1 over the, you know, new threshold of 87000 to $462.70, Okay. Plus, his Medicare D premiums going up seventy bucks a month. Okay. So that's a, a three hundred eighty eighty eight dollar and ten cents a month increase. That's four thousand six hundred fifty seven extra dollars that he's going to have to pay into Medicare to save how much back two years ago? Thirteen hundred. Thirteen hundred doesn't make sense. Okay. Or um, some people, unfortunately, don't look at that until it's too late. Now, so at this point, you may be saying, well, why didn't the CPA tell him about that? Well, I don't know. Ask the CPA. That's what we do in coordinated <laughs> advisors, right? But a lot of times CPA may say, well, that's, I don't, I'm, not inter- I'm not here to tell you what your Medicare premiums are. That's not ink taxes. That's okay. health insurance premiums. Right. I'm here to save you $1,000 in taxes. Right. But really, a lot of our clients, when, when that Medicare payment's coming out of their Social Security check, it sure feels like a tax. Right? Um, now, 
So at this point, the clients were like, oh, no. You know, they, they were like, well, forget about, you know, because I showed them, I said, well, if you're filing jointly, you know, you'd be under the 170s. So they're like, well, scrap the uh, Ohio's tax savings. I'd rather still do the Roth conversion and stay under, and we'll just file jointly and stay under the 170. And I'll just forego that $1,300 Ohio tax savings. But is that what we recommended, Carrie? No. No. Um, we said, well, you know, don't make a knee-jerk reaction yet. You know, this is what planning is all about. This is why we plan, right? Um, you know, so the ideas were saying, well, here, how about we do this? Instead of, you know, let's let's file separately and keep, you know, and pocket that $1,300 tax savings, but let's dial back his planned Roth conversion. Okay. Okay. Um, because 20000 is too much. It kicks him over the threshold. We need to get that down to about 14000 so okay. if we can get that down to fourteen thousand. We not that we can. We can't. You know, we he right. hasn't elected it yet. That's why we plan. So now he'll only plan on doing a fourteen thousand dollar Roth, and they still want to do twenty. So guess what? She'll Mrs. do. Is gonna get her. She'll do the other six. She'll do a six thousand dollar Roth conversion on her side. Okay. So now under that plan, his you know modified adjusted gross income is coming in at eighty three thousand five hundred. Hers is coming in eighty two uh, at eighty two thousand five hundred. Now they're both under the eighty five thousand. Okay. So now they're not going to have a Medicare increase, and they get the Ohio tax savings. A win, win, win. And that's a great case study of real cases and how we help people and going farther than the surface level stuff and, and how working with other advisors gets our client a better result. Again, we've been around more. The estate planning team has been in the greater Cleveland area, helping people more than 34 years through unbiased objective advice and analysis. And we do offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation. So you can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit the website at financialfoodforthought.com for our podcast. Check out soon. We'll have our planning classes posted there as well. Okay, Gary, a few more minutes. Let's see if I can get another Thanksgiving song. Nice. Oh, this is Adam Sandler. Let's eat the turkey in my big brown shoe. I was going to say, yeah. I love to eat the turkey at the table. I once saw a movie with Betty Grable. All right. So are you planning Thanksgiving dinner, Gary? Oh, no. I always go to my parents' friends every year. Okay. We're doing it. I'm not known for... Are you doing it this year? Yeah, well, our family's so big, our extended family now, Carrie. We can't... It's hard to invite the Donnellys over to your house for Thanksgiving because you got to invite, you know, 20 people with extended families now. Right, yeah. But, um, so let's see what's going on. You know, um, another thing real quick. Um, so we we just found... You hear this, Carrie, that that IRS has issued proposed regulations that's going to change the... Required minimum distribution life tables. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so remember, it was about a year ago. Remember, we were talking about this show, how Donald Trump, remember he issued that executive order. It was what was called like strengthening retirement security in America. Remember? Yeah. And remember, he was saying that one of the things is that he thought that the life expectancy table, which hasn't been updated, I think, since the early 2000s, you know, needs to get more because we're, our expectancy is getting longer and right. people are complaining that the required minimum is too much, right? Right. So we need to, which makes sense why you would not adjust those. So 
just recently, so the IRS came out. Now they're proposed rights carry right now. You know, you, you know, they're not. It's not law yet. Okay. And the proposed rights carry, it's only 122 pages if you want to read it. <laughs> now, why it takes 122 pages to, to explain say, to explain why we need yeah. to revamp life tables based on life expectancy? I'm sure there's hard data there. That yeah. they could just say, hey, we're going to use this? Now, the, okay, so, you know, and it's not a great increase. So, so for example, at 70 a half, right? Now, we're not, don't get this confused with the SECURE Act or the RISA Act bills that are right. going to completely change. That talk about age 72. Yeah, and that, this is just, you know. This is just that you're talking about the, the tables. tables. Right. A hundred and some pages on the life tables. Yeah, mm. okay. So, uh, currently at 70 and a half, using the uniform life table today, right? It would be the divisor would be twenty seven point four. Okay. Okay. So, for example, let's uh, you know, let's say just keep the mass on blitz. You have your million dollars in your IRA first year. You divide that by twenty seven point four. So your required minimum would be thirty six thousand four ninety six, roughly about three point six percent. Okay. So that's just a rule of thumb that your first year required minimum is about three point six percent of your balance. So what's the new proposed going to be, Carrie? Well, it's going to go the life expectancy, the joint life expectancy, to, you know, which basically of, of somebody, you and somebody 10 years younger than you in the uniform life table, is going from 27.4 to 29.1. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, Such you know, big, major yeah. so change, now life, you've got life your, changing So events. now you get your million dollars, and you divide that by 29.1. Okay, so now that requirement would be 34,364, about 3.4%. Oh, okay. Um, so... Don't get I don't too know. excited Sometimes about this. Sometimes I swear it's just an example of politicians wasting our time. But here's my point, Carrie. <laughs> okay, we keep telling. How long have we been telling clients? Why are you waiting for required minimum distributions? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, because if you, we think you're missing a huge opportunity, tax wise, um, including the possibility of Roth conversions, including staying out of a required minimum distribution trap, or including, by the way, spending more money on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't understand how much money you're leaving in your IRA at age 90, if you follow the minimum, come in for a consultation or come to our classes. By the way, if, if it's an investment advisor is telling you, oh, Mrs. Smith, never take out more than your required minimum, mm-hmm. you got to figure out why. Because you know what IRS tells us, Carrie? How, guess what the percentage of Americans are doing no more than the required minimum? High? 20%. Oh, that's it? 80% of us are not following that investment advisor's rule. Oh, hmm. Think about that for a minute. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 and have a very happy Thanksgiving. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.